I think that was around the time where Kurt Cobain died as well. So it was like this huge, and I was like, ah, too cool for Nirvana. Wall fans, sorry, welcome to the Zombie Teeth podcast. That was um, that was everyone's favourite podcast presenter, Sean O'Rourke's signing on his podcast. Tell it to the wall. Hopefully, he's going to listen to this and he will hear me making an idiot of myself. Anyway, I'm Paul, as usual, your host for the Zombie Teeth podcast. You can find me at www.zombieteethclothing.com. And Zombie Teeth Clothing on all the social medias, except for Twitter, because that's not my name on Twitter, but I rarely use Twitter. Welcome to episode, I want to say 17, I might be wrong, let me just check, do 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 do, no, episode 18, oof, so close to episode 20. So on today's episode, I have the absolutely delightful Amy Gabber, really interesting to talk to, Um, I also got the name of an Alice in Chains album incorrect. I got it correct, but not the right one, if that makes sense. You'll hear it when you when it gets to it. So but before we get there, let's just have a little check-in. How are you all? Um I hope you're all doing great and you're all holding up. You know, everyone's mental health, as you know, is very important to me. And if anybody needs to talk, feel free to reach out to me at my Instagram, Zombie Teeth Clothing, and uh, yeah, then we can have a chat. Let's get on talking to Amy Gabba. Enjoy. When your heart is pouring out on the floor And you just don't think you can take any more Of the torture, the pain, the disrepair The fight or flight, and by a beware And you start to tell yourself what you need to hear And justify the reasons just to make it clear And you tell yourself you just don't care You're not broken, not hurt yeah well then we get to pretend we're at least in the same room together right so exactly. it's hard on the phone it just it feels like just kind of a distant phone call whereas right now i'm like hey i'm having a beer with paul how's it going in my bedroom <laughs> perfect <laughs> let me get the introduction bit out of the way which i always it's i always either forget to do it Oh, it just, I don't know, it just seems weird, <laughs> like... It's so natural, but we know it's important, so sometimes you're like, okay, wait, let me do the intro properly before we get carried away. Yeah, I mean, I listened to, um, hang on, let me introduce you. Okay, joining <laughs> me on today's episode, I have Amy Gabba, a singer, songwriter, and a general um, friendly Canadian. Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> Oh, like friendly but, Canadian, that's so hard to find. Mm, yeah, I've been speaking to a few Canadians recently, so it's oh, um, nice. yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I listen to um, I listen to Kevin Smith podcasts, and when he's doing a smodcast and he's got a guest and they're sat opposite him, and he will talk for like five minutes about them and how great they are before they even say hello. 
And I'm just like, I couldn't imagine doing that. Like, I can't imagine like, how awkward that would be as, as yeah. an artist, just sitting there being like, oh God, this is so strange. And if I don't cut him off and say something, am I going to sound like I'm completely conceited and full of myself or <laughs> just relish in it? These people, when he finishes his, his introduction, they just go, oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, how, how, do I, how do I follow that? And, you know, yeah. well, he's so good at what he does. He just carries on talking and, yeah. and he, keeps, he keeps the thing, uh, the thing rolling. So, um, so, yeah, so I'm the, um, I think it helps that I'm British, so I can kind of get away <laughs> with being awkward. Um, Are British people awkward? Because they feel like... I, I always thought Canadians were the most awkward. So we just like throw in a whole bunch of sorries in there somewhere and, and usually it fills the dead space and then we're okay. Well, it, it's, the, um, it's the Hugh Grant thing, you know, the kind of bumbling British yeah. guy that always gets the girl at the end kind of thing. People find um, that charming. Yeah, so, so you know. And I've been told by various people that they seem that they like listening to my voice, which I find really bizarre. I do find your voice quite soothing, actually. This is the That's first time I like, I've, I've heard you on the on the podcast, but this is the first time we've actually had a conversation, you and I, that wasn't through social media or Instagram or something. So yeah. I do agree. It is quite soothing. Yes, I get that. I get that quite a bit. So, um, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, There's worse things that people could say about you. That's for sure. <laughs> I think it's that I'm a little bit of an introvert, so I don't kind of go overboard when I'm, yeah. when I'm talking. Um, I did my first interview. Well, actually, I should say it's my second, but I mean, the first one I was drunk on a beach in Mexico doing it, so it doesn't really count because I was just <laughs> not even paying attention to the fact that that was happening. But I did my first interview for Mabel um, like last week and interviewed some friends of mine, and it was actually quite nice because I had talked to one of them before quite frequently. And then the other gentleman that I was talking to, James, we had never actually spoken before. So it was kind of neat having that. Um, that experience to look at like okay like I don't really know you but I know you so it almost makes like an interesting dynamic yeah. when you have conversations like that but it's hard interviewing people also if you hear me snoring from you know my end of the video it's my dog it's not me so okay. just so everybody knows <laughs> I'm awake I'll I don't just, snore I'll have to enhance the audio and see if I can pick it up <laughs> yeah Amy Gabba we yeah. let's kind of talk from you know how you got into music um like playing um in a sense because i had a little look at your website and um and it said that you were performing at quite a young age mm -hmm. i actually was not always a punk rocker believe it or not um i grew up in calgary alberta which for those of you nobody knows where that is um <laughs> even canadians don't know where that is and uh it's a very much a country town country city Okay. Um, country music was everything. No one really did anything other than that. Um, and uh, so I was <laughs> had a residency at the age of 11 playing in a bar called Bronco Billy's. Okay, so that must explain enough to you. Um, <laughs> Tuesday nights at 11 years old playing every Tuesday until I think midnight. And sometimes my mom would even let me, you know, skip school the next morning because I'd be tired because I was already learning to be a diva at that age and, you know, get out of class. So... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I sang really, really young. And then when I decided to move to Toronto, I didn't kind of realize that I would be giving up a lot of that world to come to a new city because you don't just 
you know, show up and, and book the horseshoe tavern the next day. Like that's something that's earned. It's something you really have to work towards. And, um, I think I took for granted all of the ground I had covered already in a different city. So then coming to Toronto, I don't think I played a show until like 2012, 2013. So I would think it was here five or six years before I even played a show or anything like that wasn't karaoke. Mm-hmm. And then that was when I kind of discovered punk rock and ska and that whole world because it was just the circle of friends that I ended up in in Toronto and so it was like I went from this country blues girl to this person that you know just did completely different kinds of music and made a whole new world of friends which is actually really really awesome so Mm. it's nice to branch out and and you know try something different yeah it's it's um (laughs) those uh those two names that you threw out of venues both sound like they would be in a cartoon. They, they sound <laughs> so like I didn't think places with that kind of. It's snob- so Canadian. It's like a Canadian stereotype. The Horseshoe Tavern yeah. isn't even like a solely country bar. Like the Horseshoe, like Mast Intruder, I've seen there. Teenage Bottle Rocket, The Queers, Green, or The Long Shot has played the Horseshoe Tavern. um yeah like big (laughs) names like in our scene but it's just it's been called the horseshoe tavern since like the 60s when it opened and uh it's uh it's still called that but it's not like just a country like every kind of genre ever Mm. filters through there it's pretty legendary if you ever come to toronto i do recommend it that's probably why it's still got the name i was just about to say like because because it's kind of been there for that long it's not going to change its name because then all of a sudden people are like it's too what's what's that yeah you know what's that place you know whereas they know it you know like when you watch um when you watch a documentary or anything about cbgb's it's like it was a country well it it was they wanted it to be a country in bluegrass yeah place which is well even bluebird in nashville i was watching that documentary last night and it started off as like a loud bluesy rock and roll like kind of crazy place like they only became an acoustic singer songwriter bar like 20 years after it opened like it took a while for them to get to that point but it's still called bluebird like you don't change the name or like you know the story of the bar just because you change directions that's all part of what it is yeah i think i think you only change it if it's uh, something that's not deemed uh uh you know something that, that yeah something that could be harmful like mm-hmm. you know there's there's a, a a bar in not that far from where i am because i'm in like the center of the uk okay I, i'm 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 quite near to like nottingham so like robin hood and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing i was gonna say i was like i've been obsessed with nottingham just because of robin hood but yeah I think well, that's I, just the, the disney kind of girl in me the, but. the best the best robin hood the Disney one. Yeah, I agree. Without a shadow of a doubt. There's a there's a bar in um I'm trying to remember where it is, but there's there's a bar that used to be called the Black Boy. And it had um there was like a beam that kind of went across from the building across the street and it said the black boy. And then they had a carved head on top of that. Oh. And obviously it's it's painted very black. So they put a petition up to get it removed and loads of people signed it. And obviously everyone's in uproar because it's like, well, I say everyone, the people yeah. in the town are, are in uproar. Like, you know, you can't take that down. It's like, it's been yes, there for a while. And you're like, no, you can. It's part can. of being progressive and unlearning old things. And yes, I think that's where like what we're dealing with politically right now comes from a lot of people. Like, it's part of our history. It's part of the story. And it's like, 
yes, but you don't need to celebrate it with a visual representation of that. That is a reminder that to you may mean be history, but is a complete slap in the face trigger to other people right now. So it's like your love for history and what's happened doesn't negate the fact that that's offensive to other people. It's like the story will still be there for you to tell, but you don't need to have that, you know, just in everybody's face in the meantime. And I think that's the part people are struggling to come to terms with right now. Yeah, definitely so. People remember, don't you worry. (laughs) We're not going to forget. We're we're heading off. So, So going back to, you moved to... Toronto. Is that what Toronto. you said you moved to? Yeah. So you moved there and then you found that country music wasn't the best option. I don't even think I knew anybody who did play country, but I didn't want to anymore either. I think if I really wanted to, I probably would have shown up on day one and gone, you know, hunting and exploring around Toronto, trying to find where the country bars were. But I think part of the fresh start that I wanted moving here was, you know, exploring a different avenue of who I was and and what I wanted and who I could be. And I was going to school. um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I was going to school for law at York's and I was enjoying it, but I just knew that I didn't, I wanted something different than what I had had before. Mm. And so then I met, uh, well, I had my my friend, Ashley, we, we'd been friends for a little while. And then she was like, well, my friend, Mikey, he uh, is in a band, you should meet him. Because like, you know, like people know you're a singer, even if you're not performing, your band's not playing, like they know that piece of you just by knowing because you talk about it. And um, you probably have played them some stuff or there's something on YouTube. So like they know, but they haven't really experienced it. And she introduced me to Mikey. And that was like, I'm going to say 10 years ago now almost, or maybe nine. He's now my best friend and we play in loads of bands together in Toronto. So it's just kind of funny. I, I remember going to this bar called the Bovine Sex Club, talking about bars with hilarious names <laughs> that like aren't misrepresenting what they're about. Oh my God, I got tagged in a photo there and my mother was like, what are you doing proudly announcing you're in a sex club to Facebook? <laughs> Your grandmother's on here. What are you doing? And now if you ask like the interrupters or mass intruder, like the bar in Toronto that they always go to when they're here is the Bovine Sex Club. It's just this punk rock church that, you know, it's like, we're all, it's just like the holy church of T.O. of punk rock. And everybody's been there and everyone's played there. And it's just, it's a really cool experience. So I think I saw his Green Day cover band, the Dukies play there. Darren Pfeiffer from Goldfinger was in the, was drumming. And uh, the, and like this guy, Matt was, was on bass and, and Mikey, who's now my best friend is singing and playing. And then they were like, Hey, we actually need a, a female vocal or a harmony. Cause Matt can't sing. So can you come up and, you know, for pulling teeth and basket case sing with us? And I was like, sure. And then from there band started and music started and we start collaborating with people. Then you start meeting other people that are in that same world. And before you knew it, I was a punk rocker and a Scott addict after hearing Mad Caddies one time like it was just just kind of snowballed mm, yeah see I heard Mad Caddies when I, I saw no effects in 1997 I think oh, so like quality softcore would have just come out yeah and and as we were leaving the venue I didn't see Mad Caddies I only the first time I saw Mad Caddies was last year and I've been a fan since 97 so long time um but they played they played in my town um in like 1999 in a really small place and i just i just started a new job and i hadn't got paid so i couldn't afford a ticket um so i didn't go 
and then I just never had the opportunity to go and see him again. Um, yeah, so we were leaving the venue after the NoFX gig, um, Goldfinger and uh, Dancehall Crashes. Oh, wow. Open for them. It was the first time I'd heard heard of Dancehall Crashes. Oh, my God, that would have been a crazy show I would have yeah. loved to be Yeah, and at. then Goldfinger, Goldfinger. and then NoFX. No that sounds like a we... festival. <laughs> and then as we were leaving, they were giving out Honest Don's compilation CDs. So Honest Don Welcome Wagon. And it got two quality softcore songs. And it was just, it was like, you know, I was like 16 and it was just like, oh my God, free CD. <laughs> yeah. We've been to see a band and we've got a free CD. This is amazing. And then you listen to it on repeat probably for like five hours a day, nonstop. That was the thing. That was how I got into a lot of the bands because not the free CDs, but when like the Fat Records compilations were coming out and the um uh the asian man records compilations were out and hopeless and you could get them for you know a few a few pound over here it was like i think i bought survival of the fattest on 12 inch vinyl and it cost like less than five dollars and you you had vinyl already at that like how old were you and you're getting vinyl i'm like you're before your time well, like in between your times, I guess. But. The first vinyl I ever bought was um, The Simpsons Sing the Blues <laughs> and Do the Bartman. On, I've got I would the. Love to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was, yeah, any money that I could get because CDs were like three times as expensive. So I was getting out, I was getting vinyls mm-hmm. for cheap. But then um, a few years ago, somebody needs, my ex needed some money and I sold a lot of my things. I had like basket case on coloured vinyl. Oh. I had a uh, long view with a sticker. Was, your ex, was this person your ex at the time? No, or? no, 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 no. This, this was why I did it. Cause it's oh, like, yeah. I was going to say, I was course. like, we've talked about dating and. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, of course I'm going to be with this person forever. So, you know. So of course I'll sell my vinyl for them. Um, I had like. A lot of I had some of the other like the early Green Day EPs, you know, like the Slappy EP and, oh. and things like that, and they sell for like ridiculous amounts. Of Are money. you trying to make me cry? Is that your goal, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh. so yeah, so I, I sold some, but I've been getting like since lockdown. I think I worked out that I've, I think I bought about thirty albums on record on vinyl since lockdown started i just keep buying them because i've got no yeah. gigs i've got no shows to go to so yeah why not yeah. like we've got to satisfy that need somehow i actually got to jam for the first time last week like in a long time and it was oh i forgot how good that felt and it's funny because going there i was having like a little bit of an anxiety attack i was just not really in the mood and then the moment you get there you're like oh yeah i forgot what this feels like <laughs> this is like the only therapy that really really works yeah, and like response yeah and it just made me want to do more like it almost hurts so good because you're like okay like i can't just keep not playing like what can we do can we play in a field and paint big Mm. circles in the field that where everyone can like stay socially distanced and like find a way yeah there's there's a place over here i forget where it is but they're doing these things on youtube called empty venue shows and they have a bunch of cameras and then bands travel to the to the bar and then they stream it live but it's got you know professional sound to it as opposed to like a stream if that's how i'm going to get my live music at the moment then that's unfortunately what i'm gonna to have to do but it's better than nothing yeah. you know it's better than nothing but it's not the same like it's, no 
especially as an artist, I know it's not all about us and that's fine. I'm not trying to sound selfish here, but it's like part of what we do is feeding off of that relationship that you create with the people that come to your show. For me anyway, like I need to be in a room full of people that want to hear these songs that I'm playing. And when they do, it just brings a whole new level of life to me. So Mm. without those people there, I'm just in a rehearsal space somewhere where, yeah, like it can be fine, but it's not going to be like, for me, going to a show is about that interaction and that passion and that connection. And if that's not there, yes, it's better than nothing, but it's still not the same. No, that's, I mean, that's the same for me. Cause I mean, you know, I watched them, but for the last year I've been, whenever I've been somewhere, I've had my camera with me. So yeah. this is like watching them's fine, but it's, I've not had that experience where I've literally just watched a band for, for well over a year. I've always yeah. had the camera with me. I've always had that extra purpose. A bit of armor and purpose yeah. as well. Um, so, so yeah, it'd be nice when they, um, when it all comes back. So, but, um, well, and even like at the end of the song, the way that people come together or, you know, not even applaud, but even just at the end where you're kind of like, well, or like what happens mm. between songs? Like, what do you do at that point? How do you, <laughs> how do you just kind of transition to the next song? I'd be like, okay, it's kind of like doing a sound check for nobody, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I guess that's, but yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, it's slow part. We gotta we gotta grow slowly, and it's gonna fall back together eventually. So we just have to be optimistic and not lose hope. But I guess for me, I I get on that innovative side where I'm like, okay, well, how can we bring that together? What can we do? Trying to think of new ideas and new ways to change with the times, right? Mm, um, <laughs> so let's talking of albums slash EPs. Let's talk about your your EP. Is EP. It is an EP. Yeah. yeah, the accidental EP. So it's called, um, I've not got that written down, Heart. It's called The Heart is Stupid. That's the one. <laughs> the Heart is Stupid. So yeah, so from listening to some previous things that you've done, and you've mentioned some of the people already that were a part of that EP. Am I right in thinking? I think that? so. I mean, it's, there were people that were a part of the EP um, in LA or in California where we did it. And then there's a part of the people who are part of the EP here in Canada, because it's very difficult to do both, right? Yeah. Um, and to have the same members unless you have all the money in the world, which none of us do. So there's there's a team that kind of put the whole record together. When I say accidental record, because it was never meant to be an EP, it was kind of like, do you have any songs that you've written? Cool, let's, lay, let's record one of them. And then it became two, and then it became three, and then it was five. And then you have these songs that sound so much better than you thought they were going to sound because it's actually this professional quality record as opposed to the stuff you've been recording in your friend's basement. So you're like, well, it would be a waste not to release it. And then suddenly you release it and you're like, well, shit, like all the guys that played on this record live in California and I live in Toronto and I can't be there all the time. So how do we do an EP release here in Toronto? And then your friends come together from, you know, other bands that want to be a part of it. And Darren Pfeiffer decides he wants to fly in. So he comes in and next thing you know, we have a big EP release and then you do other shows and, and then you kind of have to figure out what you're doing as you go in between, because you weren't actually prepared for it to be what you thought it was going to be. So, cause the band that played on the EP the the kind of almost like a little bit of a super group almost yeah except without me but 
Um, like even the engineer, Dave Irish, he does all the front of house sound and sound engineering now for the interrupters. Mm. And he has recorded, I think most of, if not all of real big fishes records. So he has a studio called pot of gold where we did that. And he just like called up Aaron was like, Hey, I'm doing this, doing a couple songs with a friend. Do you want to come play guitar? And he was like, well, what kind of music is it? And he's like, it's gone. He's like, I think I know a thing or two about that genre. <laughs> <laughs> And he just like came down to the studio and, you know, I'm trying to be cool because I'm seriously a nerd and everybody worships real big fish. So I'm like, I'm just sitting in the studio with Aaron eating tacos, no big deal. And, uh, and then Ryland Steen is in actually America. Do you know the band America? Uh, yes. Been through the desert on a horse with no name and like sister golden hair is probably so he was the like an early drummer of Real Big Fish and then got offered the gig with America. So he left to go join that band. But he was with Real Big Fish for I think 10 years, like Candy Coated Fury and all those records in the oh, yeah. middle part. And then their friend Mikey, who is in a band called LA Bation, but it's like a huge YouTube tribute band in the LA area, apparently. Okay. Um, is also a Cirque du Soleil musician and but who was oh. and was okay. and they're like, we got this guy, he wants to come play play bass and I was like I've never met any of these people before in my life except Dave I happened to be in LA on vacation at Christmas time visiting friends so I just like went on over to the studio and all of a sudden all these people who were you know people I look up to were there and they're like okay show me how this song goes and it was super cool it was like Cinderella story uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah cause you want to be cool you don't want to like act like you're completely you know dumbfounded by what's happening around you but you are yeah that's it i mean i've got i don't know if you saw on facebook i put a thing up saying oh i woke up and found i got a message about a podcast guest and it's a big one i was like i woke up at like five in the morning and i got a reply and i was like and it just said let's do this and i was like oh my god and then i couldn't get back to sleep because i was starting to think of like well what am i gonna say um so yeah it's smelly from no effects oh my gosh yeah and i'm just like (gasps) and i used to see people wearing um uh the, the eyeball no effect shirt with the monster eyeball and i was like are they any good <laughs> i was the same i used to see people like with no effects banners or in, in their houses or like wearing the t-shirt and i was always like it never occurred to me that no effects was even a band for some reason <laughs> they didn't know anyone who listened to them and then suddenly i was like oh that's you know okay cool i get it i was just a little bit slow to to pick yeah. up on it it was that thing back in the like pre-internet or, or early internet yeah. should i say i'm not that old um, i would say pre-internet for me because or yeah very early like i'm talking was... 2006 Oh no no! We're, I'm I'm talking 90, 90s. Oh, 90s as well. I'm thinking Facebook when you said internet though. When I started to see it pop no, up on no. Facebook walls, I think that was later. No, I'm thinking 1995 was when I got into No Effects. I think um, I just been around that long. Oh, they've been around since the 80s. Well, because I was never a punk rock girl, I have no mm, idea. I mean, even now, no effects. I, I do enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. They're just, I'm not diehard like you are. I don't know I, everything about them. See, my, my kind of story is that I went from Michael Jackson bypassing the Simpsons sing the blues, obviously. <laughs> um, and then I started listening to Guns N' Roses. Oh, I still listen um, to Guns N' Roses. And then my cousin got me into 
Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Stone Temple. Oh, what's Pilots. your favorite Alice in Chains song? Because I'm obsessed with them. Um, and I get a lot of flack for it up here in Canada. They don't seem to like Alice in Chains up here. But I don't Alice know if that's like people. Alice in Chains was quite a fleeting thing for me. I liked them, but I only really liked Jar of Flies and Facelift. Oh. Like the real, uh, kind of the earlier stuff before they did. Um, I forget the name of the one with the dog on the front. Oh, was that wasn't that actually no, that, was Jar of Flies. that was Jar of Flies, wasn't it? That was Jar of Flies. The other one Sorry. is the one that you're thinking with wood and be- angry chair and rooster. One, is it called dirt? Dirt. I was going to say it's mud or something. No, it's dirt. So sorry, dirt and facelift were the two that that I kind of really got on with, and I'm a big fan yeah. of Man in the Box. I'm a big fan of Jerry Cantrell personally. So my thing with Alice in Chains was when I saw the unplugged MTV thing that they did, and you see Jerry just like rocking that acoustic solo, like <laughs> I've never ah, just like face melty, and. I, uh, I fell in love with it's over now, you know. Yeah, it's over now. Mm-hmm. And I that's my favorite Allison Chain songs song for life and will always be because I think it's magnificent. See, I was I was more I was definitely more into Nirvana and Pearl Jam. I was a massive Nirvana fan. Nirvana, yes, but Nirvana was like later on for me as well. Like I think all the kids in my like sixth grade were all about Nirvana and I think that was around the time where Kurt Cobain died as well so it was like this huge and I was like ah too cool for Nirvana like I don't <laughs> but then it, later on in life Nirvana is huge Pearl Jam I never really got into but Nirvana I feel like is a staple in everybody's foundation of music that they love uh, early early again early Pearl Jam is great um the first like three albums are really really good um, but yeah, so kind of, I went through like the grunge stage and I think I, I think it was because all of a sudden they were wearing like normal clothes as opposed to like leather trousers and, yeah. you know, the way that they looked. Cause I remember a friend of mine at that time, it was his birthday and he bought some leather trousers, but they weren't like skin tight. They were kind of baggy and it was like, mm-hmm. what, what are those? They, they don't look- <laughs> You don't look like Axl Rose, you know, like wearing them. Like, so, and then I saw Kurt Cobain and I was just like, okay, because, you know, I've been, I've been scruffy, as they say, for most of my life, you know, I, I dress in that kind of sense. So then I went through that and then uh, one day I saw Green Day on TV doing a, a live thing of Welcome to Paradise on UK, first time they were ever on UK TV. And I was just like, oh my god who is this <laughs> who is this i like, want to be them yeah there was so much energy and just it, it was just they were just so they were over the all over the stage and I was that's just the like, thing this about great. green day that you never forget is their energy you know what i mean like i remember the first time i saw green day play i think they played for two and a half hours and i'm not exaggerating like wow. they took maybe a water break for like a minute and a half at one point and, and trey did a you know, a drum solo or something, but it was like, I have never seen someone play with that much energy and enthusiasm and vigor and like, whew, you know, like I would die. Like I do <laughs> one, one set of ACDC songs and I want to pass out and I need an oxygen tank, but like somehow Billy, jo- like Green Day just has no off button. They're like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, see, I, they were the first live band I ever saw. They were oh. th- 13 insomniac had just come out yeah so you know 
I'm just showing my age, but just talk. No, my friend Mikey actually was <laughs> that same tour. Like, you know how they still do it where they get a kid to come up and play knowledge? Yeah, yeah. So my buddy Mikey, who I was telling you about at the beginning of the podcast, yes, that is what changed his life. He went to go see Green Day on tour. He was the kid that oh, they wow. pulled up on stage to play knowledge, and he killed it because he knew what he was doing. And he was only like twelve or thirteen, or like he was not an old kid. But he got off stage, and the attention that he—not even the attention, but just that feeling, that drug, and that adrenaline rush, and like what happened for him—just changed the rest of his life. And he was like, "This mm. is just." what I, the, the dragon I need to chase for the rest of my life. And he did, and he still does. But Green Day is that band for so many people. Yeah. Where so just... <clears throat> it was it was that gateway uh, for me. And then I just started getting into, like I say, just started listening to No Effects. And my sister, who's a little bit older than me, had a job so she could go out and buy albums. So oh. she we'd hear of bands. Like, we were coming back from that Green Day show. And there was a guy on the train. And he went... He was like, oh, you've been to see um, Green Day? Yeah. Did they play Knowledge? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. check out um, check out a band called Operation Ivy. And we're like, who? Is that Operation <laughs> Ivy? He said, they the ones that originally yeah. did that. That's their like, song. That's a You'll cover. thank me later. Yeah, it was like, that's a cover. So my sister went out and bought a copy of it on, on vinyl and uh changed her life because then she's you know rancid and all that she loved oh yeah because of them but it was like pre-internet that was kind of how you heard about bands you would talk to people and 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 as great it is as it is now to hear about bands online and you can just literally go oh i wonder what they sound like type it in and listen there was that anticipation of buy having to either find something or buy something and then hope that you hadn't wasted your money make that investment in it where yeah, yeah or you only know one song and you get that record note like please let this not be like a one-off or this one song's good and everything else is awful yes. yeah <laughs> i've done that a few you times your favorite bands though where you're like okay i like this song but like i don't even really like it that much like it's fine and then you listen to the rest of the record and you're like holy shit goddamn like this is so much better than i could have hoped that it would be and that's yeah. how you discover some of your favorite bands i think is by those like pleasant surprises where you had low expectations and they just blew your mind that's um yeah i'm always i'm always happy like i was saying because when i spoke to mabina galore on friday i said whenever i see a band because there's only two of them and i'm i'm always like i said i'm, I'm not like sitting there like okay impress me i'm more like rooting for them i'm like okay there's only two of you how are you gonna pull this off and then you listen to them and you're like yes they do they're brilliant and they were saying uh going back to touring in canada they were saying that when they book a tour they find clusters of places that they can play because there's a, there's like towns that that like are very country music based and they yeah. can't get a show at all so they find these spaces um you know because it seems like everywhere in canada's a, a, a two three hour drive away they're pretty it's spaced out here compared to you like yeah for sure there's sometimes nothing for mm. two to three hours like nothing at all and probably not anywhere you can play as bands you've got to be really smart with how you map out your tours here for sure because mm, I said to them, because uh, they said, you know, sometimes it could be for us like a six hour drive. Um, and I was like, if you drive six hours in the UK, you'll be in, you'd end up in the ocean. 
because <laughs> it's, it's not that big of a place. Yeah. Not that big of a place. So that to me just baffles me. And they said that they love playing over here because just it's just places everywhere. City after city. There's mm. yeah, that's what I've I've never toured Europe, but I've been there. I actually went to London uh, last January. It was incredible. Like it's just it's so there's always something, right? And in in can like even where I grew up, like you could drive three hours north, south, east, or west without hitting anywhere else. Like it's just in the middle of nowhere. So it's pretty interesting like to see a European tour how it's just night after night after night of like I don't know if I could keep up, it would probably kill me, but I think it would also <laughs> be one of the best times of my life at the same time. Like the Europe mm. tour stories are always the best tour stories. And that's it. I mean, I spent three days with um when I spent three days on tour at the beginning of the year and the three places that we played each night, we stayed at the same place. So it was like, we drove out, drove back and came back and came back because they were so close. They're all, that's what you can do in Toronto. It's like one of the only places I think in Canada where you can't, because you could set up shop in Toronto or like, you know, crash in my living room per se. So when I plan tours with friends, I'm like, okay, everybody come stay here. And then we will do like Hamilton, which is like an hour away. We'll do London, which is like two hours away. We'll do Kitchener Waterloo, which is an hour and a half. Then we'll do Barrie. We'll do uh, like all these little places that surround Toronto and then end in Toronto before we go on to like Ottawa, Montreal, which is five hours. So you just have to, there's, there's good stuff that's close to Toronto for sure. If you'd be able to do that, mm. but you can't do that across all of Canada. No, there's a cat in my room. I just ran. <laughs> It's my cat. He just—I didn't realize he was in here. So, What's his name? This is Vader, as in Darth Vader, and he doesn't like being held. No, so he's like, leave me alone. There you go. Um, so, okay, I'm gonna—we keep veering off, and I'm gonna keep going back <laughs> to the EP. So, okay. you had all these people. So you had like Aaron from uh, Rubik Fish, and yeah, it's his birthday today, by the way. Happy oh, birthday, Aaron! Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So happy birthday. Um, I, I took, I, I took photos at one of their shows uh, at the end of last year. And um, I think they're some of the best ones I took. Um, really good as well. It's always nice when a band kind of notices that the photographer's there and kind of, kind of helps you out a little bit. Yeah. Cause you only get three songs. To yeah. take photos. So it's like help make it worth it. Right. That's good. Yeah. When you do that. Them and uh, Les and Jake. Les and Jake were very much like that. Uh, and the interrupters. Well, and it works out better for them too if the photos actually look good and they're working at it together as opposed to just ignoring you. Like they're going to end up with more photos they want. Definitely so. So, yeah, so you work with all these people. Um, but I believe the songs that you wrote for that were, it was an unusual situation that you wrote them in. I, yeah. I wrote them with. I, well, I was <laughs> in a relationship for a few years that was ending and we, I think I just, I picked up my guitar the next day. Cause I was just like, Hey, I can't focus on this anymore. It's so freaking depressing. And I wrote lies. Um, and then he kind of came in and he was bummed out too. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just writing a song. And he went and grabbed a guitar and then we like played it together. So I kind of wrote that one. And then we jammed it together and helped work out the structure a little bit more and, and work through it. And then before we knew it, it was almost like just what we did to try and deal with the hard days. And before we knew it, we had like, I think like 10 or 15 songs we wrote 
together because he lived with me I want to say two or three months after we split up we were still very good friends and he mm. just moved into the guest room and so we were still living together and we were still hanging out every day and everybody even my friends would look at me and be like how on earth are you doing what you're doing um but it wasn't hard I wanted him to stay and I, and I wanted to do what I was doing to, it was like the most healing cathartic therapeutic thing that had ever happened and yeah it was hard but I got something so beautiful out of it and I'm really happy with the songs we wrote that it never felt hard at, mm -hmm. at all because I think it would have been harder had he not been there to kind of work through it and write about it together yeah, there might have been very different songs as well, if he wasn't there. <laughs> the songs probably would have been a lot more angry and a lot less <laughs> understanding and, you know, storytelling. They might have just been like, mm. fuck so, a lot more. So, you, have you still got the other songs then that you wrote? Are you, were, I do. Are they, are they going to see the light of day? Are they going to maybe... I was supposed to be recording our second record in April 2020, but we all know Corona hit, like, hard mid-March. Yeah. So those dates in April were almost complete, like an exact year after we finished the Heart is Stupid. So a year later, we're supposed to be in the studio for like two weeks. Again, same crew, same people doing the second record, but that has not been started because I'm stuck in Toronto and I can't cross the border and uh, we don't want to do it remotely. We want like the thing about that studio and the sound that comes out of it is being in that room and being yeah. there and working with Dave and the way that he is not just an engineer, he's a full producer where his like some of these ideas, like fuck you Cupid was never supposed to be fuck you Cupid. It was supposed to actually be called the heart is stupid, but he, we like did a rewrite in the studio where we swapped the end of the chorus to the beginning. And, and it just kind of, that was all Dave. Like Dave is an ideas man. So doing it without him and trying to record in my bedroom here and just sending him vocal tracks is just not going to be good enough. Uh, for us so we got it we're just waiting until we can all be together to do the second record and get those yeah. well we hopefully it. hopefully <laughs> it won't take too long but yeah. the way that things are looking at the minute who who knows especially in california know. it's like really bad there like when i talk to them they're like every one in five people walking around that state has covid right now and it's terrifying to think about so yeah. you don't really want to put yourself in that situation. No, no, it's good though that the, um, the 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 previous band, you know, want want to come back for the for the second round kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, it's good. And then we were supposed to play shows too. Like we were actually going to play together in in California when I was there. So hopefully that still happens too. But shows will have to be legal again, I guess. You could do. Um, <laughs> You could do like you could open for Real Big Fish and he could play, and then play for Real <laughs> Big Fish. Aaron as well. double duty. <laughs> we actually wanted to play with Half Past Two. I don't know if you're like a big ska fan, but you know who they are. And I've heard they're the name. yeah, they're another amazing ska band, and we've we've got a cover coming out with them soon, actually, to to watch for, which is cool. Um, but we're gonna play shows with them, and then Aaron was gonna come play as well. So I think hopefully. One day that will happen again. I'm not going to say I think. I'm going to commit to that. But it just, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a year from now, if it's going to be five years from now, I'm not sure. But it'll happen. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are not so much cancelling ideas. They're yeah. postponing them. Postponing. You know, they're, they're, they're and that's the only way that we can. Because if we cancel everything, we're going to be really fucking depressed. And it's hard enough as it is. I think we need to have something to hold on to and something to look forward to. 
which is why we're like, this will happen and I will yep. commit to making it happen. It's just going <laughs> to have to take a little break. Yeah. I mean, this is why, this is why this exists because everything I planned to do this year was canceled. So, but I mean, a lot of good, good things have happened for people that way. Like I remember a friend, Daryl of mine who now runs this huge music festival here in Toronto and the Pennsylvania girls as well. Same yes. thing where it's like, you just kind of have that thought where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to create the job that I want. I'm like, this is what I want and I'm going to make it happen. And Daryl started Indie Week, which is all indie musicians. And like now it's like over in Europe as well. And it's kind of spreading and it's grown. And he's like, I wanted to work in music and there weren't any jobs out there that I was getting hired for. So I just made one for myself. And same with Terry and, and Bree and Lauren, where mm. they're like, you know, we wanted to do this and we thought, what the hell is stopping us? Let's do it. And I think those are the coolest stories, right? Mm. And I love that. Yeah. And I mean you're you're doing it as well because you're you're not you're not you're not under you know, you're not under a record label saying, Right, you've got yeah. to record this stuff. You're saying I I wanna do this, so I'm gonna go out and do it. And then and I'm paying for it out of my own pocket. There's not some like secret man behind the curtain just being like, Here, I'm just puppet mm. mastering all of this for you. Yeah. Regardless and, of what Reddit threads might say, but <laughs> And then all the people that you've met through just being like I'm a singer songwriter. I want to play this music and stuff. And then you've recorded an EP with, you know, a member of Goldfinger, a member of Real Big Fish. You know, it's like that doesn't happen to everyone. You know, yeah. it's like, but that's that kind of PMA kind of thing where it's like, I'm going to go out and do this. And you've got talking to people and you've done this and you've done it's that. Conversations and just starting, like, even you and I, like, I don't even know how this, like, we just had a conversation and. Mm. You, and some of the best things just happen out of having a conversation it's not like the first time we ever talked this was the goal that we had it was no. just hey we've got things in common we like a lot of the same bands we have a lot of the same friends we're both part of Nebel syndrome and and other you know connected groups in the punk rock scene and somehow you know now we're planning to talk on a on a podcast together and i love that that's what's so great about the whole situation yeah it's it, i have over the last year and what 18 months probably two years and probably longer i'm losing all sense of time um mm -hmm. just because of the lockdown and various other things but yeah the the like community it's, it's weird because the community that i feel like i'm most part of now most of the people are in america you mm -hmm. know i'm kind of part of like a, a punk community 99% of the people I've never spoken to like oh it's only been yes. through social and media. I'm the same boat as you like even Kristen I would say from Mabel syndrome is one of my one of dearest friends now I talk to her if not weekly then by like every other day and you know even I've got some friends in Salt Lake City I talk to every day now friends who are in LA that I talk to every day and like some of these people I have not met face to face if other for nice like other than nice to meet you at a show or a festival right mm. and and now these relationships that you may not have been open to otherwise if it weren't for these different platforms are now people that are so integral to your day-to-day -day life and and so important to you so it's yeah. neat how we have that opportunity now yeah they're, they're trying to get me to go over for punksylvania next year uh, I'm playing it, so I think you should. I'm trying to <laughs> I look. <will> be there. <laughs> I'm trying to look at flights like now because I'm hoping that they'll be cheap because 
because the airlines are trying to yeah. kickstart everything back to So life. I'm trying, I'm thinking, you know, if I can get over there cheap. Yeah, of course. Well, if there's ever anything I can do to help, I will. And we actually have a video, my friend Mikey was talking about. So is that, is that my, my, is that that guy, the, the uke? Is that? Yeah. So Mikey and his uke, it started as like this little thing we were doing for quarantine. And then before you knew it, we had noodles from offspring jumping in and then Viper was in on it. And now since he passed a hundred videos, it's just been kind of like this all-star collabs that keep happening. I can't even name all the people they've gotten. It's crazy. That was the one that Stacy was on recently. Stacy did one recently. Yeah. yeah. Beast, Beastie Boys. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, again, that's it's, it's how these things come about. Like Small world, start right? Doing something, and it starts to to snowball and get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger without without even really trying, like, as in he's not been going, I want to do this with this person. I want it was never the plan for it to be at that level. Just like the record was never, that. like the thing that it is, is never what, we didn't have a clear idea of what we wanted it to get to, just that we were open to anything that we could. We weren't canceled, we weren't counting anything out, but we also weren't expecting anything mm. either. We were just kind of agreeing to be open to whatever it was going to be. And, and that's how we are here now and that's how Mikey and his youth came to be as well and that's how a lot of bands come to be I think it's just you gotta just let sometimes let things happen the way that they're meant to and, and really cool stuff and so yeah I think if you try too hard to be a specific way then that's when things implode because you're never going to live up to that exact fantasy that you have. And I mean, like, even we talk about dating really short. Like, I know we're going to wrap up. I was just about here, to say that's probably like, why I'm still single. That's <laughs> why dating is so irritating. Because it's like, especially being a girl in a band, you know, you meet people and they have this idea in their head of how cool it is to date a girl in a band and this fantasy of you as, but you're of not, not as you as, as a real person. They have this fantasy of you as this, like, being from another planet up on this stage that they think is so fantastic. And then once they realize that you're human and you have flaws and feelings and you know what I mean? There's that you're not this Mm. like thing that they've built you up to be, you can never make them happy. So that's where it's just, you know, it's good that it happens because I have really good songs to write about it, but it's also not good when you're like, damn it, it would be really nice to like just date someone and maybe not tell them I'm a musician for once because you're never going to live up to that fantasy that they have of you if you tell them. It's all. It's yeah. just kind of this. Not woe was me. Feel sorry for me. But, no, no. You know, no, I, I understand. I understand that. See, whereas I'm. <laughs> see, I, I go the other way where I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, they're going to think I'm boring. They're not going to think I'm. You know, they're going to think I'm like, oh god, this guy doesn't do anything and stuff like that. I go the other way where I'm like, oh no, they're not going to be interested in me. I'm not. I'm not interesting enough. <laughs> and things like that so it's like but yeah dating they're not gonna think that though (laughs) if they are the right person and that's one thing i've learned in my older age without divulging exactly how old that is is that when you're you know a little bit younger you're like oh my god what if they don't like me what if they think i'm boring and now i walk in being like no like you like i don't care because i want people that are gonna understand that i'm not boring and like you're not boring at all because you have so many interests that you would have in common to so many people like punk rock and photography mm. and like even just the conversation we've had is that you'll just you're gonna meet somebody one day that has those where you just like ah, i get it now i you hope know? so i hope so my last uh, few have been not that it's been more just <laughs> well, like Either has mine, but listen to the eternal optimist coming out <laughs> right now. Like, no, COVID's I've, made me a, a romantic, apparently. I don't know. Oh, I've always been the problem. That's the problem. I've always been a romantic, and I tend to have 
not being with romantic people. Yeah, that's always the way so we go, though, right? Yeah. I feel for you, buddy. I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just, I'll listen, <laughs> listen to a song and I'll be like getting all emotional. I'll be like, hey, isn't it great? And then the other person's just like, no. <laughs> what? That's no. Where I just give up on dating altogether. I'm like, music is just going to be my, my boyfriend. And, uh, you know, anybody else is just lucky to come in second because mm-hmm. that's the point of it all is that we're, music is always going to come first anyway. And, yeah. and as long as we have that, that like, it's never going to wake up in the morning and tell you it doesn't love you anymore and that it slept with your best friend while, you know, you went home. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it'll always be there for you in the end. And, you know, if other people come along and, you know, help you entertain yourself in the meantime, cool. But I just, music is, is it for me, I think at this point. yeah so okay well let's end on a slightly cheerier uh note um (laughs) so so what's the the outlook like what's the the hopes for 2021 because i don't really think anything's going to happen this year yeah i feel like this year is just kind of like being deleted like it was so so next year you've got punksylvania you've already said Pennsylvania. yeah uh, punk rock bowling, like not that I'm playing it, but I go every year. That's my happy place. So hopefully that. Um, and I mean, again, it's like I have a hard time trying to plan, but I've got some festivals that have been, you know, obviously rescheduled to 2021 around Canada and in the States. And then uh, a new record is the hope. We got new merch coming out soon. That's something in 2020 I can look forward to is new merch. Um, like I, with the old and with the new yep. and I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, a new record, a tour, like I would be happy to just not even be in Canada for any of 2021 and just play shows the whole time. That would make me happy. Just get back to some kind of normalcy that, of, of, you know, what, yeah. you, what you would. My normal is chaos. So I want to get yeah. back to the chaos because <laughs> that's normalcy for me. Yeah, I'm not happy so. unless the chaos is all around me. So the good kind. Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't wait. See people face to face and actually speak to them and see my friends again. Play a tour with another band, like Decent Criminal. We're trying to set something up in like the East Coast because we're both doing Pennsylvania. So we're like, well, what if we just did like Eastern US, like that whole like Chicago, Pennsylvania, Ohio kind of area and uh played some shows around there and then end at the festival and you'll be there and it'll be awesome. Mm. Yeah, decent, decent criminal. We're supposed to be in the UK, just in with April. Ariel Salad. Yes, yeah. recently I remember yeah. they were so pumped. I was actually with Hunter in Mexico. Like the day we got back was when everything shut down for uh, for COVID. So it was like we watched each other's tours just like slowly fall apart. Whereas like two days before that, we're like, "Yeah, I'm leaving for Europe soon," and this, this these shows are happening, and none of them happened. Uh, 20, 2021 is going to be the year of of shows because yeah. everyone's going to be Dying ready to ready to see live music. You know, we'll so. all be living on ramen noodles, but we'll be going to shows. <laughs> <this week. laughs> That's fine. I can live with that. I Me can. too. I don't even care. I would just like eat cardboard for the rest of the year if I could go to a show every day. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That that's the hope. So optimist <laughs> optimistically we can end on the fact that twenty twenty one is going to be, be is gonna be labelled the year of shows. Hundred percent. So okay. Well, thank you for being on, Amy. Oh, and, thanks for uh, having me, Paul. It's been good. Um you know, it's been it's been easy. <laughs> 
Well, it's always nice to just chat with someone. I mean, it, I, like I said, I see, I see what your friends say because, or your other interviews, because it does feel like we've known each other for a whole lot of time. So mm. well, always nice you. to be able to talk to someone who's easy to talk to. But yes, thank you for being on. Uh, it's been great. And I'll, uh, I'll catch you later. Keep on being fantastic. Bye-bye. Thanks, folks.